Hey, good morning, church family. Here we are on the threshold of another new year. And I pray that this morning the Lord will speak hope to our hearts so we can enter this new year with hope and that will quell our fears, whatever our fears may be. Before I get into the message, though, there are a couple of announcements I'd like to make. Uh, the first concerns a Bible resource tool that we have called Right Now Media. And several groups within the church use this in small groups and ladies' Bible studies. And we plan on using it a little more in our Good Friends meetings coming up this year. But it's a great resource, and it's underused. <laughs> it's a great tool, and tools ought to be used. So this is a, a little video that explains a little bit how you can use this tool. Oh, there's no video. There's just that picture. I was going to use the time to get a drink of water <laughs> and prepare my sermon. No. <laughs> so uh, that was, uh, use that. You can go on their website there and click under media and you'll find it there. And uh, there's a plethora of great uh, Bible resources there. So take advantage of them. And the second announcement has to do with the passing of a dear sister named Sharon Hoskin. Her funeral service, or memor uh, her uh, celebration of life, I should call it, will be taking place this Saturday at 2 p.m. here in the chapel. So please come and support Arnie and the girls that uh, Sharon has left, and uh, let's be remembering Sharon in a powerful way that time. All right. Back in the late 60s, uh, some of you can remember that far back, others can't, but there was a duet called Simon and Garfunkel, and they sang a, a, a wonderful Christmas song, but in behind that Christmas song, they played the 7 o'clock news, which was actually taken from a soundtrack of a newscast in uh, 1966. And as you listen to this song... I want you to listen to the newscast, too, and see if anything that had happened back there in 66 is happening today. Washington, the atmosphere was tense today. A 
as a special subcommittee of the House Committee on Un-American Activities continued its probe into anti-Vietnam War protests. Demonstrators were forcibly evicted from the hearings when they began chanting anti-war slogans. Former Vice President Richard Nixon says that unless there is a substantial increase in the present war effort in Vietnam, the U.S. should look forward to five more years of war. In a speech before the Convention of the Veterans of Foreign Wars in New York, Nixon also said opposition to the war in this country is the greatest single weapon working against the U.S. That's the 7 o'clock edition of the news. Good night. Not much has changed. The news is still pretty bad all over, isn't it? There are increasing wars and more money spent on them than helping the domestic poor. There are celebrities overdosing on drugs. There, are, there is racial and domestic violence abounding. There are mass murders at an alarming rate, and political divisiveness abounds. And some of us fear the future financially and whether our planet can survive overpopulation and pollution. Now, all this is bad news, and I do confess to a little fear-mongering here, even though I loathe it when the news stations do it. But, you know, I've got something the news stations don't have, an antidote to that fear. They don't, they don't talk about that antidote. They don't talk about where you can find peace. They don't talk about where you can have solace when your heart is overwhelmed and you're troubled and you've got fears. All they do is lay it out there and leave you empty. But the scriptures today, they've got this antidote to fear. There are certain levels of fear in all of us. And Isaiah 41.10 comes to the rescue. And I love this verse because it's God speaking to us. He's speaking through a prophet to a particular people at a particular time in a particular set of circumstances. But we can use this promise today to help us in our daily life to face whatever comes in 2024 and to help us forget the troubles of 2023. It's a verse worth memorizing. And you know what? At the end of my message, we're going to do something I don't think this congregation has done before. We're going to memorize this verse together. And we're going to have a competition between sections of the church. So get ready. In fact... (laughs) While I'm preaching this message today, you should have it in your mind that I'm going to test you on this at the end of the message. (laughs) It's a great verse, and it's one we should memorize. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. How do we overcome our fears? It's an ancient question for God's people. We've always been tempted to worry about the unknowns, to worry even about the future. God knows that we struggle here. He knows this struggle and he wants in on that. He doesn't want you to bear it alone. The modern world has really shaken up our thinking about God and maybe it needs to be shaken up. We seem to have trouble understanding and getting our minds around God. Our antidote to fear is trusting God and the words he says in this verse. Our faith is not fundamentally rational. It's not all done with our head. It can't be fully captured by our reasoning abilities. 
A God who can be comfortably captured in our minds with little else for us to find out about him apart from the occasional adjustment, that's no God at all. We want the God who gave this verse. We want to believe in him and what he's saying. And I want to look at five spatial relationships. That's spelled S-P-A-T-I-A-L, spatial relationships. Where is God in relationship to us in this verse? He says, first of all, I am your God. I am above you. I am over you with my mighty hand. I'm watching over you. And secondly, he says, I'm with you. I'm beside you. And thirdly, he says, I will help you from whatever angle the enemy can come at you. Now you think in your mind right now. Let's just pause. What's something that's coming at you in your life that you're afraid of? Well, look at it this way. God will help us. He's all around you as as our help. Fourthly, he says, I will strengthen you from the inside out. I will be your strength. He's coming up from the inside now. That's where he is in relationship to us. And he says, fifthly, I will uphold you from underneath you. I will lift you up. I got this picture in my mind. And uh, I had it when the the worship team was singing. Uh, Up underneath he comes. I feel like if you feel like you're fainting, you're falling back. God is there. Those arms coming up underneath you, strengthening you, putting you back on your feet. The big idea of my message is that God is talking to his people and he's making this promise to us. And he's making some initiatives on our behalf for our benefit in times of difficulty, in times of trouble, in times of mourning, and in times of blessing. The news, like we have seen, reminds us that there's lots to be afraid of in life. Yet God says, do not fear. So do not fear. I was reminded by my sister Ann Doppenberg in this morning's prayer meeting that It's said over and over and over in the scriptures, a form of do not fear. There are things to be afraid of. I know that. I'm a pastor to seniors here at our church, and I know of several people who are suffering loss right now and experiencing some fears attendant to those losses. And I hope this this scripture verse will be an encouragement to you too. God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. You know, I often wonder what the prophet Isaiah would have been having for devotions at the time that inspired him to write this verse. And here's what I think happened. (laughs) He read one of the chronicles, the stories of the chronicles of King Jehoshaphat. I think that was feed for his devotional thought when he gave this prophetic word from the Lord to us. You remember the story of Jehoshaphat? I didn't. I had to look it back up. (laughs) So let me briefly summarize it. He was a king in uh, Judah, and uh, all the nations around him were mustering their armies for war against Judah and Israel. And uh, uh, Jehoshaphat started noticing this and, and was shaking in his boots. But instead of mustering his own army and counting his chariots, you know what he did? He called all the people together in Israel for a fast, and they fasted and they prayed. And uh, these are some of the verses that he spoke in terms of encouragement. 
to his people. He, first of all, he recounted the history. God has helped us in times past. So we can look forward to that in the future, right? And he said that to his people. And he concluded his speech by saying, We do not know what to do, Lord, but our eyes are on you. The focus was God. The focus was on God and his ability, not on what they could or they couldn't do. It was on God and his ability to deliver. And that's where they put their faith and their focus. And that's instructive to us. Then a wonderful prophetic voice stood from the congregation and said this, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. And you know, the worship team had a fantastic song that supported that truth this morning. Are we in sync with the Holy Spirit or what? I hope so. (laughs) You know... Here's the first initiative. I noticed the tech guy has gotten ahead of me to my first point. So maybe that's a sign for me to quit rambling and get on to these points here. (laughs) I know you want this to be over. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) So these words given to God's people, anticipating an eventual release from captivity... Whenever you see the word so in the Bible, or you have to look at the context. So, that little word, is based on the context of Israel's captivity and eventual restoration. And based on my love relationship with you and my relationship of faith with you and you and me. So, on that basis, on the basis of our relationship of love and faith, God begins to make these statements. So do not fear. Well, the question could come up. Why not? Why shouldn't I fear? There's lots to be afraid of. Well, God answers that by saying, for I am with you. It presupposes that there will definitely be things for us to be afraid of. And in this case of displacement from their homeland and captivity, God brings this comforting promise. And we can rely on this promise because it came from God himself. Do not fear. One of the most common phrases in the Bible, used hundreds of times. Or it's used by angels, by prophets, the Lord himself. And why should we not fear just because God says not to? I'm still afraid. He says, I'm with you. Not being alone is a great comfort. He's Emmanuel, the with us God. It's one of my favorite names for God. God with us. God is with us. His presence dispels fear. Just acknowledging that he's here dispels fear. Jesus said a similar thing when he gave the Great Commission. Awareness of his presence with us enables us to do the work he's calling us to do and to be the people in character like himself. The second initiative God takes on our behalf is, he says, do not be dismayed. I always say answer something like that with, why not? (laughs) And then he says, he finishes the phrase, I am your God. God tells us why we shouldn't be dismayed. He personalizes his presence now. He's not only with us, but for us. What a combination of comfort. I can't think of a better one. He says he's ours. That's a personal, possessive pronoun. I like that alliteration. (laughs) Marvelous. 
He's the one who's initiated the relationship, and he nurtures it. Part of the redemptive work of God is destroying barriers that separated us from him. We are brought near, says Ephesians. Remember, at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Jesus. That's amazing. In the latter part of the verse, we see God's action on our behalf and for our benefit. He says, I will do this for you in your fearful state. I will, this is what he wants for us, this is his will. He will I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God wills that we not only have his personal presence, but his help. That Ebenezer, that strength, the omnipotence, being upheld, it, it has the image of sustaining. When God adds his super to our natural, tremendous things happen. You know, there were times in my life when I was afraid, and I never thought about this verse at all. It was the last thing on my mind. It was only after those tumultuous events and troubles that I began to realize the truth of this verse. But it wasn't in the midst of the trouble. <laughs> it was after. There was one time in Guinea. I was a missionary there. It was fairly new. And yet my boss, the field director, asked me to go visit the, the minister of, of religious affairs. He used to be called the minister of uh, Islamic affairs. But they changed it because they became open to the influence of the gospel in that time of their history. And we came in as missionaries to share the good news about Jesus. And I had met the minister of religious affairs, but I had not met his surly deputy. <laughs> and I did that day. And it was a time in my life where I lost sleep over our conversation. Because as soon as I came in, he became very aggressive. And I think he was probably more wanting to be called the minister of Islamic affairs. He was very polemic in his treatment of me. And he asked me for every single Christian mission that was in the country. And I better have the names of every missionary here by tomorrow, or otherwise we may be out of the country. And I was taken aback at this. And I, I actually was short with him. Well, we already gave that list, and you should look at that list that we gave you back in the day. And he didn't take too kindly to that, and we had a, a very volatile conversation, I would say. Well, I listened mainly to his uh, vehemence, and then I went, went back and I told my boss about it, and he thought, uh-oh, this could, this could be problems. And you know, that night, I never slept a bit. I was, and I never thought of this verse either, and I wish I would have. It would have made me a little more at peace. But the next day, we went down to his office, and this time the minister of Islamic, I mean, religious affairs was there, and the president of the national church was there. He's a good friend, Isaac Keita, and his, uh, his deputy, Simeon, I remember them because they were so encouraging to me, they said, you know, this guy has got a chip on his shoulder. We've dealt with him before. And I've, 
I felt just peace. Like, okay, you ha- you've had problems with him too. That's good. So we went in there. We smoothed over the ruffled feathers in a good way. Our leaders said, we will humbly give this list again to you. I'm sorry that you've misplaced it. (laughs) And everybody went home happy, and I had peace. And I went back, and I was reading Isaiah, and this is the verse that came. (laughs) And I thought, thank you, Lord. You're giving this peace. And I, it took over from the trouble, and it gave me the strength to go on. I'd say when God adds his super to our natural, tremendous things can happen. It's his initiative for us when we admit helplessness. There's a, we feel overwhelmed sometimes, and God comes up underneath us, and he holds us up. He maintains us when we feel we can't go on. And in Hebrew thinking, there are many aspects to uh, God's right hand holding us up. Ezra talked about God's hand being on him, and others talked about it too. The hand of God upon a person conveys the ideas of action, of care, possession. It, It carries the idea of strength. It carries the idea of bestowal of blessing. Think of God's hand being on you right now. I know it's not, I'm praying that it'll be palpable that you can feel it, but think of God's hand being on you right now. He's saying, I'm going to take action on your behalf. I'm going to care for you. I'm, you're mine. I'm taking hold of you with this hand in a possessive way, and I'm holding you to myself. There's the idea of creative ability being bestowed. There's the idea of of guidance in that hand, where God shows us the way through the wilderness and the way we need to follow. And there's the idea of protection. God's hand is over you. That's that beautiful right hand of God in Hebrew thinking. And it's yours. It's on you. In other parts of the scriptures, we get a profound meaning from the phrase, the hand of God. But God's invisible and intangible hand is also on each one of you. It's guiding, encouraging, protecting, strengthening, and giving you courage in troubled times. Now, how do you find peace and keep it amid life's trying circumstances? It's not a place geographically, but it can be a state of being that comes with a deep connection with God in a loving relationship. And I can't pass this by, that some of you in this room don't know about that loving relationship. It's a warm invite that I want to give you. Come into that. Embrace Jesus by faith. Have that hand on you in your trying times. What are you afraid of? Sometimes I'm afraid of failing. I was that way before I came in here. I didn't want to mess this up. But that prayer team, that beautiful prayer team that meets at nine, prayed over me, and I felt like I could float out of the room, (laughs) tether me to the pew. (laughs) I have sometimes a fear of losing my passion for serving because I feel apathetic sometimes. Sometimes. 
I don't like that. But God comes in and says, I'll be your passion. You look at this city and weep over it, and I will weep with you. Other part of Isaiah, it says, God will keep us in perfect peace, those whose minds are kept on him and who steadfastly trust in him. I've only got one message this morning. If you have God, you don't need to be afraid. And I call on you this morning to believe that the most crucial factor in the future of your fearlessness is not your family of origin, it's, it is your God. I call on you to, f- to flee from the limitations that so many put on you and a kind of fatalistic rootedness in where you've come from. You have a God who is infinitely more powerful than anything in your past, and he can break whatever bondages you feel to be because of it. The Bible reveals a God who is stronger than your personality, who is stronger than your past record of timidity, who is stronger than your perceived identity as a nobody who could never accomplish anything with courage for God. God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear. He's given us a spirit of love and power and a sound mind, which includes discipline. His spirit is the greatest resource we have in coming into this new year of 2024. And I plead with you to accept the fact that it is God who makes the difference and not you or your parents or your friends. It's God who makes the difference. I just appeal to the one among you right now who feels absolutely and totally inadequate to do anything of worth this week. I appeal to you to stop thinking about your inadequacy and why you've gotten to be that way. And I plead with you to look at God. Look at God. He is God. Do you believe him? Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. The scriptures also say that God's perfect love casts out fear. You know what that means? I think it means this, that when you are in relationship with God by faith, his love is poured out on you, and no matter what's going on, you're loved, and your fear is dispelled. As we approach this new year, 2024, what fear of yours is taking your focus Is it the enemies around you like Judah had around her? Let's focus on the Lord, who he is, and where he is in relationship to us. He's beside us, over us, around us, and underneath us. Billy Graham has said, The world doesn't give us peace, for it doesn't have any peace to give. It fights for peace. It negotiates for peace. Think of Gaza. But Jesus gives peace to those who put their trust in him. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. All right, it's time for the practicum. (laughs) Maybe a fight will break out in church. (laughs) 
I like you to be competitive, but... Okay, so leave the verse up there for a little bit. First of all, you want to know where the address is. It's Isaiah 41.10. So I'm going to split the church right down the middle. You're going to be the first third. Okay, you have to memorize, so do not fear, for I am with you. That's your part. And the address, Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Okay, that's this group. This half, you're going to say the next part, do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Okay? And the balcony, you got the hardest part because it's the longest one. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Oh, sorry. I will strengthen you and help you. Yeah, I was trying to shorten it for you. Uh, (laughs) I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So that's the balcony. All right. Turn it off, tech man. Go blank somehow. Okay, it is blank. I, I can see it. But none of you are supposed to look behind you. Okay. Let's memorize this. Address. Beautiful. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Okay, you know, as a good Sunday school teacher, I'm going to make us get it right. (laughs) Address. We could be here for a while. (laughs) No, you know what? You had the hardest part. Okay, now we're going to switch it up. You're going to give the address in the first sentence. Have it back up on the screen, please. Okay? So the balcony is going to do the address in the first sentence. You are going to do... The second sentence, and you are going to do the hardest part, the bigger sentence. Okay? Okay, shut her down, tech man. Yeah. Okay, address. Beautiful. Yes! Let's believe it! (laughs) Let's pray as the worship team comes and leads us in a final song. But Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful truth. Thank you that it comes through the prophet to us. We receive it. And we ask you, Lord, to remind us of your presence. To remind us of your possessiveness that we, we are the children of God. Thank you for strengthening us and helping us 
and upholding us with your righteous right hand. And we pray that whatever trouble may present itself this year, that we'll remember this and chase away fear with it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.